You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome once again to uh, my to the show that we're doing that we I think we finally have an, a, a name for. So I think the official name of, of our podcast uh, brought to you by CE Impact is is going to be Game Changers Clinical Conversation. So unless I hear anything different from the bosses above, that's what you're going to look for uh, wherever you're looking for podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. So on the Apple Store, uh, hopefully Google uh, Google Podcasts and, and, and all other places that you're looking for, for podcasts. You want to look for uh, uh, Game Changers Clinical Conversations, which is, again, with me, Jeff Wall, um, and our weekly little spin on, on uh, things that have to do with pharmacotherapy and things that affect pharmacists. And, of course, the, the beauty of our podcast is, is that you do actually get CE for listening to me blather for 20 minutes. So, I mean, it's not just, not just the pain of hearing me blather for 20 minutes, but you actually get something for it. So, it's kind of nice. And so, welcome uh, once again to, to uh, Game Changers Clinical uh, Conversations. This week, uh, I, I've those of the, the three listeners who've been listening multiple weeks, uh, hopefully more than that, um, have have heard me say that I, I don't want this to be a kind of a COVID 24/7 thing. Um, but uh, as most everybody, I'm sure who's hearing my voice knows, um, the uh, the uh, AIC uh, ACTT study was was published, or the NIED study, depending on on, on how you want to uh, talk about it, uh, was, was finally published. Uh, 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 Friday, this last Friday in the New England Journal of Medicine, and uh, this was the paper that uh, um, the uh, that Dr. Fauci and 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 the CDC and um, the FDA used as their basis for basically making remdesivir a the first uh, uh, therapeutic EUA or, or emergency authorization for COVID. And so, you know, the, as all of us know, that was in about two weeks ago or three weeks ago that that pay, that. Uh, Information was announced uh, at kind of the national level. Paper uh, was not published at that point, and I know myself and just about everybody else who was dealing with with remdesivir, uh, remdesivir uh, especially uh, uh, the the amount we were getting here in Iowa and in my health system and our ability to allocate it and who was getting it. Um, to be totally frank, we were we were hum, ham, hamstrung pretty bad by that because we really were taking taking a wild guess about you know what who was benefiting and what were the kind of patients that we're looking at. So uh, I think it's safe to say that this is this was one of the hottest, most hottest anticipated studies of the year, maybe of the decade, um, because um, it was the first uh, paper where we had, you know, an actual phase three randomized control trial looking at, at a therapy for, for, uh, for uh, um, COVID-19 pneumonia. So we're going to take today and, and we're going to take a few minutes and talk about the paper and kind of its pros and cons. There's also um, a wealth of information just looking at these patients that I think needs to be investigated. And, and I'm sure somebody, I'm, you know, there's, I'm sure there's an army of, 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 of academicians who are, who are lining up to try and take a, take a look at this data, which should be actually public data because it's being sponsored by uh, the federal government. So um, any of you guys have any bright ideas of how you could take a look at this data and slice and dice it? Um, about something tells me that, that if you uh, jump through a few bureaucratic hoops, you'll have the ability to do that. So, 
that's what we're going to talk about today um, is, is, is the NIAID study uh, or, again, the ACT-1 clinical trial. So this was, again, the first phase three study that was done with, with, with remdesivir. It's an ongoing number of platforms of studies. You know, I, I think the, the authors, investigators, are, were fully aware of the fact that with, the, with the, the crisis going on, we needed to have this data as quickly as possible. And so uh, they designed a kind of series of platform studies where they would do one you know, section and then continue that and then, then look at another section, another section. So they wouldn't do one gigantic phase three study, but kind of break things up into smaller ones so they could kind of get the first, the first section out as quickly as they possibly could. And I think that's exactly the right thing to do. And so that's what happened here. Um, and so this, this was the first of a series of, of phase three randomized double blind placebo controlled studies. And so, you know, this theoretically should be the highest level of evidence that we could possibly have. And, and one of the few times we we're able to talk about therapeutics and COVID that actually shows causation that, that you know, does remdesivir actually improve outcomes. So the study actually only took them about six weeks to do, which is uh, has to be a world record for phase three studies. Um, um, it was done all over the world, um, it, though, though primarily in the United States, of course, being been sponsored by by the federal government, but it was done in in place in the uh, United Kingdom, in in uh, Europe, and uh, also a few places in Asia as well. Um, it was a one to one study, so you were either randomized to receive remdesivir or you receive placebo. And we'll talk in just a minute about some of the patients they had. Um, how the study uh, works is once you're randomized, you either receive placebo or you receive remdesivir. And for those of you working in the hospital who have had a chance to use this drug, you know it's it's given only intravenously. Unfortunately, it's a two milligram loading dose and then 100 milligrams a day for for up to 10 days uh, yes uh, as as we are recording just yesterday in the New England Journal of Medicine another paper with remdesivir was published that looked at five versus 10 days and finding no difference between them uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to comment on that paper a because I just read read the kind of the top piece of it and B because it wasn't a placebo controlled study so it really didn't tell us too much about about um, should, can we use five days in everybody and things along those lines? So that may be a future uh, game changers clinical conversation we're going to have. So, um, but in this study, they did do 10 days um, and they did use a math matching placebo um, in the United States. And they actually just use saline in, in, in other countries and things like that. So, um, so basically uh, the, uh, they randomized these patients. They they uh, wanted to look at time to recovery, and I think this is probably what you're going to see most COVID studies do. Is uh, there's been there's an eight. Uh, uh, a category ordinal scale, so a scale from one to eight, and basically the, each one of those numbers represents basically how sick you are with COVID. So if you're category one, you're basically fine. So you know if you're category two, uh, you you are limited to your activities at home, and you may have a, 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 be on oxygen at home, but you're not in the hospital. If you're level three, you are hospitalized, but you're not requiring oxygen, um, which that kind of makes me wonder if, if you don't require oxygen, why are you in the hospital? Yeah, if you're level four, you're on, uh, you're hospitalized, um, um, not requiring um, uh, ongoing oxygen, um, but requiring ongoing medical care. So for other uh, relate uh, other issues, if you're stage five, you do require any supplemental oxygen. If you're stage six, you require non-invasive ventilation or high flow oxygen, which is what many of you have probably read is kind of the step before ventilation. And then if you're stage seven, it's uh, hospitalized either on the vent or receiving ECMO. 
uh, extracorial membrane oxygenation, um, and stage eight is death. Um, so basically, you have you know scale one where you're fine to scale eight, which is death. And their primary outcome in this study was basically uh, during the tw after, uh, 28 days after enrollment, what percentage of patients were in that were in those first three categories that they either weren't hospitalized and they were fine, they were they weren't hospitalized and had some limitation of activities or were on oxygen, um, or they were just hospitalized uh, but were basically you know on on the road to discharge and basically just just requiring. Uh, 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 ongoing care and basically on the way to discharge, basically. So the percentage of patients who were, who were in those th th first three categories after they received remdesivir compared to the placebo arm. They looked at a whole bunch of other outcomes as well. Um, adverse effects, which is something that, again, I think as pharmacists, we really need to keep an eye out for. Remember, this drug has not gone through any sort of, of super-duper process looking at safety, and so that's something I think we really got to keep an eye on here, though in this paper, it seemed to be uh, fairly safe. Uh, they also looked at, at you know, were, did certain ages do better with remdesivir, did, did gender, uh, you know, were you male or female, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They had first designed the study to just go through day 15, but uh, they found, and we have found this certainly in my hospital, too, that a lot of these patients, unfortunately, need to be in the hospital for weeks. Um, I would say that that of, of the patients that I've had in my ICU, um, almost all of them, even though they're out of the ICU, are still in the hospital. They're still requiring ongoing oxygen therapy. Unfortunately, it requires them to still be in the hospital. Uh, they did, uh, at the first analysis on, on April 27th, they did a review of the results, their data and safety monitoring board, and they felt like they had a, enough patients and, and enough data to, to, make, to make a recommendation recommendation to, to terminate this piece of the study. Now, again, the study was continuing to go on, but they could, they could actually stop and take this piece or this tranche of, of, of the data and then go ahead and publish that and continue to the study and, and continue to monitor patients and, and look at outcomes. But they felt like they had enough patients that they could, they could actually give uh, clinicians something to take a look at. So uh, they had um, um, uh, 1,000 patients, so 1,063 actually, and about 540 were randomized remdesivir, about 522 to the placebo group. Um, taking a look at the patients themselves, I think, you know, again, you know, for those of you, those of you listening to me, I, you know, I I think uh, they're they're fairly representative. Um, there was a slight preponderance in males, which I think is what almost everybody has seen. Uh, certainly, uh, a much higher representation of of a Latino, Hispanics, or or African Americans than you would see in in, in most clinical trials. And in fact, if if you add up uh, the two together, that was actually half of the cohort, which is again uh, very unusual for, for for most clinical trials, where most clinical trials, the vast majority of of of, of entrants are are, are, are Caucasian. Again, I think that speaks to the fact that 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 very unfortunately, uh, this this disease uh, disproportionately hits uh, patients uh, of Hispanic descent or, or African American. Again, very very troubling part of the, of COVID nineteen. Um, most of these patients were or, uh, had some sort of comorbidity. A third of them were obese. A third of them had diabetes. Half of them had hypertension. So again, all things we know that are that are are are. Um, associated with COVID. Um, as far as the ordinate scale was concerned, uh, most of these patients were hospitalized and required uh, supplemental oxygen. About 40% about of patients did that. Um, about 18% of patients were on high-flow nasal cannula, and about 25% of patients were hospitalized neither uh, on the vent or on ECMO. So if you add kind of all those together, it's about 85% of the patients were either on, were hospitalized, neither on oxygen, high-flow oxygen, or on the vent on, on, on one of those three. So again, 
and fairly, I think, representative of, of I suspect, what many of you who are, are dealing with COVID are seeing in, in, the, in the hospital uh, situation. As far as outcomes then, uh, the primary outcome, they actually did find a positive uh, result with remdesivir. Uh, they found that, that uh, there was a shortened time to recovery in patients. And so again, that recovery is patients who are in that categories one, two, and three. They found that if you're on remdesivir, uh, that, those, that more patients were likely to be uh, in those three categories in 11 days versus 15 days. Um, and so there, there was that benefit there. Um, and and uh, especially for patients who uh, were on, on just supplemental oxygen, but not high flow oxygen and or the vent, that seemed to be where the, the benefit was particularly pronounced. So uh, not a big surprise, really. Uh, again, if an antiviral is going to work, it's probably going to work fairly early. And so yeah, certainly that certainly stands to reason. Um, so the earlier, basically, you could use this the, this medication, it seemed like the better they, they did. Um, the, again, the, the, the recovery, the, the length of time to recovery did shrink in, in, in nearly all categories of patients. Uh, but when, when they actually, like I said, bro broke down and take a look at these different, you know, categories five, category six, category seven, this was probably one of the, the, the big things they found was that uh, there was, uh, uh, th this benefit was, uh, was uh, mostly, again, in hospitalized patients who are on nasal cannula, but not requiring super duper intensive of amounts of, of oxygen. And in fact, patients who uh, were receiving high flow nasal cannula or, or were mechanically ventilated actually did not have a benefit in, in this trial. That, that is somewhat, you know, somewhat disappointing because obviously those are the sickest patients, but it does kind of speak to the fact that, that you know, it, it, like Tamiflu with influenza, if you don't catch it early enough and treat early enough, the benefit is, is probably minimal. Now, one of the things that, that many experts who have read this paper have, have noted is that the confidence intervals for, for especially those last two groups of patients is pretty wide. So it is certainly possible that this study just didn't have enough patients in those categories to see a benefit if, if one existed. Um, and again, that's why we're, we're going to have ongoing studies to kind of figure out what's going, going on there. But it, it is interesting to note at this point, it seems that the biggest benefit for remdesivir is in early, in early in the phases of its use. The other big surprise that was found in the study was it didn't matter how long you'd had, had uh, symptoms, uh, patients benefited whether they had symptoms greater than 10 days or less than 10 days, which again is a little bit surprising. I think most everybody figured that if you'd had symptoms for a long, long time, that, that uh, um, there wouldn't be, a, wouldn't be a benefit. Again, Kind of like Tamiflu with 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 influenza, but in this uh, trial, actually, whether symptom duration was less than 10 days or greater than 10 days, uh, the numbers were virtually identical to each other as far as benefit is concerned. So, so that's kind of what they found as far as is is uh, 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 the 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 benefits, safety issues. Um, one of the big things that was uh, of a concern with remdesivir, especially when they looked at this drug for Ebola, was acute liver toxicity. And in 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 the uh, Ebola studies, they found it in about 10% of patients, up to 15 percent of patients, so that's obviously pretty concerning. In this trial, they actually did not see a significant difference between uh, 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 LFT abnormalities between remdesivir and versus placebo. So that is pretty heartening, um, knowing that that you know I think what we thought was going to be one of the big big problems with this study was 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 an issue. Um, uh, that being said, again, you know I think that's something that we, that pharmacists we really got to keep a close close eye on when, when you see patients that are being treated with remdesivir because this drug just hasn't been used in near enough patients for us to really see uh, side effect issues, um, 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 uh, you know, unless they kind of, unless, uh, unless they were super uh, um, prevalent, uh, you know, more subtle adverse effects. 
I think are more going to be more difficult for us to see. So uh, certainly we're uh, in the remdesivir patients, we're, we're keeping a running uh, MUE kind of going on them in my hospital and keeping a close eye on, on, on all the things like liver function tests and stuff like that. So, um, so anyway, so, you know, you know, the, there's some discussion about this, you know, I, I, I don't want to belabor this and make this just a gigantic journal club, but um, I, I think the, the, the key piece of this is that, is that it does seem that remdesivir has a benefit fit in patients with with uh, with uh, COVID-19. Uh, it seems to have the most benefit in early patients as opposed to patients who are now on high flow uh, oxygen or, or on the vent. It seems to have the most benefit earlier in, in the treatment course, which again, I think kind of stands to reason. Um, it is possible that there's benefits in these other patients too. We just need bigger studies to, to kind of show that. It didn't seem like a, a um, um, it didn't seem like uh, duration of symptoms played a role and, and benefit, and it seemed at least to, to in this trial, in the small trial, that it was it was relatively safe. So, you know, the way I've kind of uh, explained this to to the physicians who've asked me about it is is I think this study basically, if you were to compare it to Tamiflu and, and influenza, is it better than Tamiflu and influenza? Yeah, it is, but probably not by much. Um, you know, it's it, there is there's a there's a a, a definitely day benefit, especially if you can take it early on, um, but it is not a, you know, uh, it's not an absolute, wow, they're rising up like Lazarus and they're, you know, I mean, wow, they were, they were super sick yesterday and we gave them three doses of this and now they're completely better. This is not that kind of treatment. Um, and I don't think anybody was really expecting that kind of treatment, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, I, I think it has a role. Um, I think that, that we certainly need more studies to, to take a look at, at uh, safety issues and really kind of parse down um, uh, uh, you know, which populations seem to benefit and, 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 and where one of the things we're struggling with, um, is, you know, if, if, if we, you know, remdesivir is not an unlimited resource, uh, states have a limited supply, hospitals have a limited supply. So how do we integrate this data then into patients who show up in the hospital and are on nasal cannula? Because those patients, a lot of them are going to do really well, no matter what we do, but do we give this drug to all those patients? I think there, there's a lot of issues that I suspect this trial is going to force health systems to, to kind of to kind of deal with. Last thing I want to touch on, which I thought was really interesting, was was uh, uh, if you take a look at the adverse effect um, uh, listing that they had, uh, DBT and PE was listed as a, as potential adverse effects, and in total there was about a one and a half percent to two percent incidence in both the placebo arm of the study and the remdesivir arm of the study of either DBT or PE reported. Now we have no idea what uh, 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 prophylaxis they were using. We have no idea if they were using therapeutic anticoagulation, as many hospitals are, um, and we have no idea how those uh, adverse effects were reported. But um, it was very interesting to me that one of the things we've been very, very concerned about with, with, with COVID has been this high rate of, of thrombosis. And while that rate is certainly higher than I think you would expect in, a, in, a, in another group of, of, of pneumonia-type patients, it's certainly not the catastrophic number that I think a lot of people were fearing. Um, and so I hope somebody, again, um, somebody with a lot more uh, brains than me is, is, is going gonna to do a deep dive in, into, into that population 
and and look at these patients and try and say, oh, gee, you know, how many of these patients were on Lovenox? How many were on heparin? Was there a difference between them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? That could be very valuable information, I think, for the boots on the ground clinicians who are are treating these patients. And, and I can say that just about everybody in my hospital who's who's uh, hospitalized with COVID is is getting therapeutic anticoagulation. So. So that's kind of what we have this this week for uh, for Game Changers Clinical Conversations. Uh, as always, you know, head head to the, to CE Impact, head to their website. They have a wide variety of, of of excellent CE to choose from, including things like the Q Friday Project. Um, and uh, here's a little more information about how you know you can sign up for them and how you can uh, basically use uh, CE Impact to really solve all your CE needs for pharmacists. Hey, Pharmacy Podcast Nation, are you tired of searching for meaningful CE? CE Impact brings learning to you through a continuing education subscription service. That's right. No more searching. It comes directly to your inbox, and it's really good. Subscribe today at ceimpact.com to receive a hot topic CE course on the first of every month. You'll also receive bonus content and tools to implement your learning. Plus, participate in a live journal club, Continuing Education, on the second Wednesday of every month to keep up on evidence-based information. If you want to keep searching for good CE, you might or might not find it, and you'll waste a lot of time searching. Or you can sign up today to get CE Impact's subscription service and have all the CE you need when you need it. It's that easy. Once again, go to ceimpact.com and sign up for the subscription service. Don't waste another minute. ceimpact.com. Let the learning come to you. So bottom line with this with this uh, uh, paper, you know, it is a positive paper. It is a paper that shows that, especially in, in the early phases of the disease, remdesivir seems to be safe and effective. We have a lot of questions that, that more studies need to answer. But if you're a hospital pharmacist in particular, um, my guess is that you will be working with patients on this drug. Monitoring them for average drug reactions is super important. Um, you may also be involved with the team that makes the decision about who gets these medications. And that's something I think many health systems are going to struggle as we try to integrate this trial into the algorithms that every health system has for treating treating patients with, with COVID-19. So that's it for this week. Uh, hopefully next week we can we can pick something non-COVID related because I don't want this to be COVID 24-7. Uh, again, Jeff Wall here for uh, um, uh, clinical uh, Game Changers Clinical Conversations. And remember, time does fly. We don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. Thanks a lot. Thank you.